Sean, it's so great to be in your studio. I'm interviewing you in your studio. I love that. You just interviewed me. Now I get to interview you. How fun is that? I have home court advantage. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, next time you'll come to my studio and we'll do a back-to-back in my studio. How's that? Can't wait. Well, you and I just like, I feel like we could just continue our discussions because we're both in the same world of trying to help people understand the mind, brain, body, health connection, the whole psychoneurobiology. And you have just done a vast amount of research and so skilled in this. But before we dive into that, can you just share, I have a, a lot of people do know you, but for those that don't know you, just share a little bit about your background because your story is lovely. I, I love your story and how it transformed you and it transformed so many people, it really impacted me. And, you know, the mental health aspect too, if you can just throw, throw a bit of that in. Of course, yeah. I mean, you know, I really happened upon the root, and I've shared this with you many yeah. times, yeah. that your work really is the most important aspect of health. You know, really understanding the mind. Everything springs from that. I'm very honest. And so I stumbled into it, that understanding, because I I was doing much like a lot of people trying to treat the symptoms, trying to treat the actions without really understanding what was happening beneath the surface. And for me, I grew up in a very, I, I actually grew up in two very different environments. For one phase of my life, when I really came online and was conscious, like I can remember a lot since this point was between the age of, you know, kindergarten age to second grade, I lived with my yeah. grandmother. Mm-hmm. And this was a very safe environment, mm-hmm. very structured, very loving. She created magic. You know, she made a big deal it's of beautiful. me. I was her first grandson, grandchild period. And, but what's not taught about the story oftentimes is the fact that I was living with my grandmother because my mom was moving from place to place mm. and had a moment where she was homeless. My stepfather... And when they did have an apartment and I would go to stay with them on the weekends, I slept on the floor next to mm. mouse traps and roaches, yeah. you know. And so I, I hated going <sighs> and staying with my mom on those occasional weekends mm-hmm. because I had this beautiful life that I was adjusted to. Yeah. And so my grandfather had a couple of heart attacks and he ended mm. up moving back to the to the country, the quote country, mm-hmm. you know, he, because they were living in the city, you know, in St. Louis. And so they moved to Piedmont, Missouri which was down like the boot hill, yeah. back country, dirt road, the whole thing. Oh. This is where he grew up. And so yeah. just to try to get away, which was really intelligent yeah. looking back on that. And so there was a choice of me being this biracial kid going to live in this predominantly white country town and that choice where my mother and my grandmother had to make. And so I went to mm. live with my mother in the inner city at this point. And oh, so now gosh. I'm going and it's a total culture shock. It must have been horrible for you because you didn't want to go live with your mom. I'm going from a place where there's Ugh. this constant feeling of, of certainty love. and safety and love to a place of, of vast uncertainty. Like, I don't even know what I'm going to wake up to. Ugh. You know, sometimes I would wake up and my mother, like stuff would be broken. My mother would have a black eye, oh, no. you know, like I'm, I'm waking up to, and I'm going to sleep with uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen. But I've got to, let me be clear about this too. When people care, my, it's not that my mother and stepfather didn't care, mm. but how they expressed themselves was not healthy. Mm. And so there was still a lot of love and beauty that I was exposed to that I got to see. One of my greatest gifts in that, in that period was being able to turn, to create something out of nothing because mm. we didn't have a lot, you know, Sometimes we didn't have, literally didn't have food. And so wow. we get food from these charities and, you know, she was on government assistance and all these things. But I saw this magic that could be created and the hustle as well, which mm. there's a degree of that in our lives to make things happen. 
But that hustle was usually manifest when my mom's back was against the wall. It wasn't just like Mm -hmm. a day-to-day thing to become better, you know? And so all of these skills I was seeing in my environment picking up, and I can have unhealthy expressions of those things too, which that's what it eventually turned into. So just to lay the foundation, I had these two very different environments, Mm -hmm. but now getting into my more formative years, living in an environment where at this point, when I really kind of matured going like into into my teens. Mm-hmm. And at this point in the environment I come from, you're really becoming a man. And there's a lot more responsibility. Now I got to navigate the violence outside my door, you know, drive-bys, crack house next door, <sighs> this type of environment while still going to school. And wow. at this time, so I'm on the student advisory I'm a scholar athlete. Wow. I was accepted into En-ROADS, which was a program to take college courses at SLU, at St. Louis University. Mm-hmm. So I was achieving in this domain while at the same time fighting this inner turmoil to handle my problems with violence. Mm-hmm. And that's eventually what happened in, in high school, my junior year. I got kicked out my entire junior year. I was there for about a month, month and a half. And I got into a fight and I got kicked out the rest of the year. Oh, gosh. And so I graduated. But then the other part is... Being so, doing so well academically, I graduated in three years of high school anyways. It didn't really, you know, but it was that segment where I'm kicked out of school and my friends are going on, like life is going on. Mm -hmm. And now I got a full-time job at like McDonald's (laughs) down the street. And so, but I had a choice in that moment, who am I going to be? And thankfully I had that exposure early on from my grandmother who believed in me and created this environment of certainty and this awareness that love and 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 beauty and creation is possible. Mm. And so that thread was still there. And so I, I found a way. And how I got into this field was after graduating high school, I went on to college and I went to this private university pre-med program because I was like, I should be a doctor yeah. just because of television. I hated science. I don't know if I've ever told you this you before. You did. You said before you hated science, yes. but you still, you decide because of television. So tell, tell the audience what you mean by that. Yeah. So I mean, watching like the Cosby show, like it's just seeing people who kind of look like me who were doing, they seemed happy. They seemed like okay. they had structure. They were laughing. Nobody was fighting, you know, like physically getting into it. Just like, oh, I should do that. It seems that's what success yeah, is. Yeah. And the, but I'm so grateful because. I, I had the opportunity to fall in love with science in another mm. way, because if I would have went down that track, I wouldn't be sitting here with exactly. you. And it was because of the way that I was taught. We were just talking about this, my team and I, the other day, even in, in science class, when you're learning about the cell yeah, and you're learning about the mitochondria, it didn't relate to me as a person. Like I didn't really have that connective tissue of how powerful that thing is that I'm learning about. You know, we're taking apart, you know, a worm or dissecting a frog or whatever. It's just like, you don't really get that this is, you have the opportunity to influence influence this. Yeah. Right. We were studying the happenings of stuff and not the power that we have. Right. And so to kind of consolidate the story, how I got into the field at the age of 20, I was diagnosed with this so-called incurable degenerative spinal condition. Mm-hmm. And I had two herniated discs, a L4, L5, S1 disc. And I'd actually broken my hip at track practice mm-hmm. a few years earlier than that. I remember that's where they had diagnosed it later after that. I went yeah. through standard of care at that point. Yeah. You know, and nobody stopped to ask, how did a kid break his hip from running? Jeez, yeah. So my body was just falling apart because in that environment, my grandmother was really, because that beautiful environment, she also showed her love. Her love language was food. 
right? Mm-hmm. So, but she wanted me as her first grandchild to to eat what I wanted and to be happy, yeah. right? So I got a lot of fish sticks, a lot of you know macaroni and cheese, and you know fast food. We lived down mm-hmm. the street from McDonald's, and that was like my favorite thing. And so, as my grandfather, because of what the doctors told him, telling him to eat. He had to change his diet, right? Mm-hmm. So now he's over there eating probably I don't know some partially hydrogenated, you know, margarine on his bread. Oh and, my gosh! So you know, he's like some, going from bad to worse. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I know he's looking at me pissed, like, why does this kid get to eat, you know, pancakes? Yeah. And so, but that laid the foundation for me to really look at food through the lens of just pleasure. Yeah. Which food absolutely should have a pleasure component, mm-hmm. but. That's all I knew, I, and I had I didn't I didn't eat a salad until I was twenty five. Was the first time I ate a salad. In my Maybe life. you told me this before. So. Yeah, <laughs> so I was making my body out of really low quality materials, yeah. and to give a reference point, this is not abnormal. Right now, here in the United States, approximately sixty percent of the average American's mm-hmm. diet is made of ultra processed foods. Exactly. So these are foods that you you can't even really tell where they can't come from exactly. anymore. Right? When you see a box, a bowl of Lucky Charms. There's no reference point to where the hell that came from. It's so denatured. And there's so many artificial synthetic things involved. It's no longer really food. Mm -hmm. That makes up 60% of our diet today. And so I was just, in in many ways, I was kind of a pioneer in it because I was so inundated by it. And it just was such a part of my culture and my makeup. Mm -hmm. So I was making my body out of these really low quality materials and my, the beautiful thing, and we talk about this as well, yeah. the human body is so resilient and it's always trying to change. And so it was kind of keeping me trucking along as much yeah. as it can. But the physician at the time, he told me that I had the spine of an 80-year-old man. Did you know that around 70 million Americans alone have chronic sleep issues and 50% of Americans deal with sleep deprivation? If you've struggled with sleep... I highly recommend trying out a product that has really helped me feel more rested before bed and more clear-headed when I wake up in the morning, Ned's new product, Shut Eye Chai, which is inspired by 5,000 years of ancient healing traditions. It's a delicious mellow super blend latte for sleep that I drink often, which combines adaptogens, aminos, functional mushrooms and magnesium, the best ingredients out there, wrapped in an incredible masala chai-inspired spiced body. Think cinnamon, clove, ginger, all that good stuff. It is the perfect bedtime ritual. And it doesn't just set you up for amazing sleep. Ingredients like chaga, reishi and ashwagandha are deeply nourishing to your body. So you get a ton of additional mental and physical benefits. I also love that Ned's Chata Chai is crafted from the highest grade single origin ingredients, ethically sourced from some of the world's best small scale farms without CBD, caffeine, melatonin or dairy. Ned also shares third-party lab reports, whose farm products they use, and their extraction process, so that you know that you're getting the best quality products out there. Discover how Shut Eye Chai can revolutionize your sleep and get 15% off with the code DRLEAF. Go to hellonet.com forward slash DRLEAF or enter the code DRLEAF at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash DRLEAF to get 15% off. Sweet dreams. The link and details will be in the show notes. I'm glad you mentioned that. I was going to ask you about that again. That you know, when you broke your hip and you now what twenty? I was twenty, yeah. And you have a spine of an. So ABF. I broke my hip when I was fifteen, sixteen. Fifteen, sixteen, and when you were twenty, they told you you had the spine of an eighty. Eighty-year-old man, yeah. I Which mean, that's is like it's you know again. I didn't have any context. I didn't understand any of this language, 
And for me, I was just still like, okay. And I asked him this question, which today I really understand why I asked him. But back then, I, and I told this story for years that I didn't have any context for why I asked him this. But I asked, does this have anything to do with what I'm eating? Should I change the way I'm exercising? Wow. And he looked at me like I was from another planet. And didn't say anything? He said, no, he specifically said this. He said, this has nothing to do. These were his exact words. I remember this. You're telling me this. This yeah. has nothing this to do crazy. with what you're eating. This has nothing to do with what you're eating. This is something that just happens. Just happens. Nothing to do with what you're eating. Nothing to do with your mental mindset. Nothing. It's abandoning laws of physics and causality. Like there's things it's don't like, just happen. No. And so, but it was, is giving me this permission slip to be disempowered. It's a nocebo effect. There we go. Right. Permission slip to be disempowered. That's really powerful. Yeah. And so, you know, I asked him this question thinking I didn't have context, but I was aware that it mattered. It was in my environment. And also I actually, I, I didn't share this with you before, but I, I took a nutritional science class in my first semester. It was, elect, it was an elective, elective on the pre-med you... track. Right. But my teacher was overweight for my nutrition class. And that physician who gave me that diagnosis was obese. Not to say anything about their character. I remember character. that. I remember you telling me about that. So there was the, the, the link between food and health was not in existence in your diagnosis. The reference points that I had. Not to, yeah. to say anything of their character or their intention. Absolutely. But our medical paradigm was not was not itself proliferating health from what I could see. Mm. I had somebody who was obviously not well telling me how unwell I am, right? And so we're stuck in this mess together, but now I'm leaving out of here. I'm 20 years old. And essentially my vision of the future and what my grandmother saw in me was erasing itself. It's kind of like that picture in Back to the Future when his family oh, yeah, is erasing. Oh, when it starts going, right? erasing, yeah. And so now over the course of these two years... I go from a nuisance of a pain to chronic debilitating pain and also all these outer manifestations, we can place the labels on them, yeah. of I was definitely depressed. Of course. I was definitely experiencing post-traumatic stress. Yeah. Right? And so, but these were, I never, and here's a fortunate thing though, part of my environment, these things weren't, they didn't, they were not who you are in a sense. Mm. I was I was depressed, but I never put a label on it. You realized you were depressed because of what you were going through. Your body is not, you're 20 and you've got a body of an 80 year, 80 year old. A spine it just of an fit. Old. It made sense it that I was depressed. It made sense to feel depressed. Exactly. It's a right? normal, that would be what I would say is a normal response to a very, very adverse circumstance. Yeah. And fortunately, you know, after these two years went by, so you know, I'm 22 at the time, and I always encourage people to seek out a second or third opinion. And oftentimes, the thing is, if you're going to the same type of thinker, yeah. For the second opinion, you're, you're probably going to get the same, get the same thing, right? <laughs> and so at this point, I'd seen, I believe that was my fourth physician, and he gave me the same bill of goods. You know, I'm sorry that this happened to you. We're going to get you a back brace. Here's a new prescription. And I'm sorry, this is something that's incurable, this, right? Wow, incurable. And so I had, a, I was at that a crossroad. The audience here, that they, they told you that it was incurable and this is, you just got to live with us for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. And so I was at a crossroads and I had to make a decision, which at this, this whole time, my only decision that I made was I was a victim. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing. It's a habitual question. And we talked a little bit about this before mm -hmm. as well. There's a, there's a reflex of the mind, instinctive mm -hmm. elaboration, right? These questions were posing the mind, this kind of constant question I was asking, why me? Why me? Mm -hmm. Why me? So I'm just looking in my environment for why me all the time in my internal environment as well, yeah. just seeking out answers to why I don't, I'm not worthy. I'm not helpable. I am. I am. So sad. 
experiencing this incurable condition. This is because I'm a bad person. Like all of these different things, right? I'm, I'm looking for these things yeah. to affirm something that I was trying to hold in my core. But fortunately, it just didn't resonate. It just didn't make sense. And so eventually, and it was a catalyst, it was my grandmother again, because through this period, she was calling me. And in my mind, I used to think she was harassing me because she was always checking on me. Yeah. And she knew something was wrong, but I would be like, I'm fine, grandma, you know, like, yeah. But, you know, just it something hit me after seeing that last physician that she believed in me and she gave me all of these tools to manage my mind, to manage my potential, like to do something, to be creative. Mm -hmm. And here I was just giving my power away. And so I made a decision to get well. Sean, can I interrupt you for a second? You said something at the beginning of this, of of this, um, as you sort of the interview, and you said that you had this ability to create out of nothing. And you, you mentioned that, and it's obviously something that was in you that you're, you're, it's you, that's who you are. And your grandmother, her environment really was a catalyst for that. It was the epigenetic factor again. And that's been dormant for a while, but it came back again because you mentioned your grandmother a lot. So there was something about her, in the way she brought you up or the things she said to you. Because you were quite strong in that statement. When you said it, you said it very strongly. I could create something out of nothing. Yeah. You know, and that's how I see what you've, what you, this is your story. You, you, your body was going to nothing, but here you've created a whole new life. That's a parallel to the mind itself. That's your mind doing it. You did that with your mind. You made your body, you used your mind to get to the point where you do not have a back, a spine of an 80 year old anymore. And that's the other part of the story. Please continue. Of course. Yeah. It's so powerful. You know, again, my body was just expressing the symptoms yeah. of degradation based on my habitual thought process, my mind, yeah. and what I was taking in my environment as a result of my thinking, yeah. right? Because again, I'm inundated with processed foods. I ate fast food probably 300 plus days a year at that wow. point. And so it, not only is my mind driving this behavior, but it's also driving my the creation of my body itself, right? Mm. And so being able to tune into that which I didn't know that I was doing at the time. I feel that there are many paths to the goal. And so we can find ways, different ways to understand this really important principle, which again, your work is the most important work, which for me, when I started to just feel better, you know, just changing Mm -hmm. some things with my nutrition and feeling a little bit physically better, but my mind drove me to make those changes, by the way. I didn't need a thing to do that, but it yeah. started to mirror, right? You, your mind. So you started seeing that you, you're in that, I can do something out of nothing. Yeah. That was a driving force in your mind. And then your body started doing, because where your mind goes, your brain and body will follow. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, now my choices are a little bit different and start in, in my, my new mindset is starting to, my body's starting to mirror that with my choices. Amazing. And so my brain is healthier. My The physical makeup of my body now I'm giving my body the raw materials to make a more so efficient good. version mm-hmm. of myself. A healthier, healthier copies are getting made. Yeah. And at the time, again, I didn't know about epigenetics. And now, you know, I have the great honor of knowing Dr. Bruce Lipton and him bringing that into my reality. This is yeah. like, oh, that's what I did. Yeah. I didn't know you that I was your doing it. And so now <laughs> I go from having the spine of a, quote, 80-year-old man to having the spine of a person in their 20s. How is that possible? When Where my been, two ruptured discs had retracted on their own. That's, and the light that was like, they were black. Like it was dark shining through there. 
and now I can see the light shining through my it's disc incredible. again. That's this not is, supposed to be possible. No, this is why people need to hear the story more than once. You know, and it's you get you yes. you. It, it's fantastic. It's it's it just shows the power of what you can do. Yeah, and talking with you about it, of course. I get to emphasize how important the shift was with my mind and my thinking because people oftentimes just want to know, like, what did you eat or what did you do? Yeah. Those are still footnotes compared to the shift in my mind. And so, but I did, I started to seek out foods that, you know, and the right, here's the craziest part. And I only recently realized this, that two years of suffering the solutions were there the whole time. I just wasn't attuned to them. The right so, books, mm-hmm. the right teachers. Mm. There was a girl that I was dating off and on. She was in chiropractic school. Oh, okay. This whole time. And she was inviting me to stuff. And like, she took me to, once I made this decision to get well, for the first time, and we've been hanging out for years, like off and on, she took me to Wild Oats, right? Whole Foods has yeah, since bought yeah, them up. Yeah. And now I'm like seeing all of this, like, or I didn't know, I didn't know the was. word organic. Right. And I see there's there's like grass inside the building. Like what why is there grass inside? It should be outside. You know, they had the wheatgrass place and the juicing and all this. (laughs) But I came upon books and I was still I was in college at the time. And so I was like looking at references, like, oh this sounds fascinating, but let me look at this reference. Yeah, because you you're a trained scientist. I mean you 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 want research behind every statement that you read. Yeah. Fortunately, you know, I had that this is another really interesting thing, and this is a nature versus nurture thing, but I had this tendency to be very analytical and to question everything. So but good. I turned that off in those two years. I just like, and I, and I, after years of kind of doing some introspection, I only recently understood my life was so traumatic. Like it was yeah. so tumultuous that once he gave me that permission slip to stop fighting, I took it. Right. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But look what you just said there. That's so incredible. You were given the permission slip to stop fighting by a doctor who was doing what he was trained to do. He wasn't doing anything that he wasn't trained to do. He was trained to, that's the symptom, that's the diagnosis, that's the prognosis, and there's no alternative. But medicine can't even say that because if you really look at the history of medicine, there's nothing that is fixed. You know, there's no disease that we fully understand. There's no medication that we fully understand. There's no... There's no disease and medication that's totally specific and 100% effective, and it's never it's never static in one place. But that's how medicine. You know, if you think about if you think about like a med student, because I know quite a few med students are going. I'm always sending in these studies to to think differently. How medical students get maybe a couple of weeks or a month rotation in mental health, or if they get a month rotation in in nutrition, I'd be surprised. You know, and this is these are the people that that. 95% of the population are going if they have any kind of emotional or physical thing. You go straight to your, your general practitioner, your primary care physician, but they're not trained to deal with these things. And it's not their fault. It's the training. Yeah. 
You know, so I was having a discussion with the doctor the other day who's, who practices, she's an orthopedic surgeon, but she practices cellular medicine. And this is what our doctors need to be trained in cellular medicine and mental health and the impact of psychoneurobiology. Anyway, we diversify. Go back to your, your, your you want to show us? Tell oh, us absolutely. Study. This is what you're saying. It just brought up this quote from Hippocrates. Okay. Hippocrates says, it's more important to know what sort of person has a disease than to know what sort of disease a person has. Oh my gosh, let's read that again. That's brilliant. It's more important to know what sort of person has a disease than to know what sort of disease a person has. Sean, this is, that's so good. I have a friend, another friend, I have lots of medical friends. And this one, she is a practicing endocrinologist. And she would say she'd have two patients in front of her. And they would both have thyroid issues. But the one would have one that is pretty much lethal. I mean, it's like really, the diagnosis is not good. It's really, really serious. And another one's minor, but of change of lifestyle and there'll be but the one and she specifically was speaking about two different patients with these situations the one with a really bad problem that actually could potentially shorten their life had such a different mindset to the other and they actually healed quicker and the other one went on to get sicker and there was the mindset driving the process you know so your mindset sets up your mindset how you look at something that that for that i talk about the warning signals so your perspective warning signal which is the fourth one which is basically fed by your emotions and body and behavior is going to determine the direction of your cellular health, which is then organs and systems and so on. So, you know, that's what we, I'm just under, underscoring for my audience because they hear me talk about this all the time. I'm underscoring what happened in your story. You know, yeah. we're not, this is not a something like from the secret where you're manifesting something. It's not some positive affirmation that we talk. We're talking about, this is years of your life we're talking about. This is years from, you had to do work from a child. Your story began when you were young as you were telling your story. So there's a whole story that's going on here that's one of consistency and change. Jim Quick, everyone thinks, oh gosh, he had a TBI and now he's fine. No, he went through years and years of consistent training. I didn't just get where I am, nor did you, without years and years of studying and training. And we do know this, but we live in the society that, oh, Sean, you just went from an 85-year-old back or 80-year-old back to a 20-year-old back overnight. Now you're all happy and successful. It wasn't like that. Not at all. There was quite a painful journey, <laughs> yeah. and I'm still a lot of still a lot of painful stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. That's. I think one of the most. I love how you referenced earlier when we were talking how success is really deeply connected to peace. Yeah. And one of the most peaceful things that I've ever discovered myself is that life is going to continue to present challenges. We think mm-hmm. we're going to get to this place. There's this theory of enlightenment that yeah. you know you're going to be living in a state of bliss. Never. And especially today, not to say that, again, different states of consciousness and all that stuff are accessible. Yeah, and you Got have it. periods of it. But yeah. in, reality, in reality, in reality, you're going to continuously, especially, again, living in this world. And you want to go off somewhere. People, exactly. Live on your own. Yes. In this world, you're going to be faced with obstacles as a sign of life to exactly. be dealing with problems. And, and we shouldn't be pathologizing it. I mean, pathologizing yeah. childhood, we're pathologizing life, we're medicalizing everything. Yeah, that's another thing. And how dare Hippocrates reference the mind in healing? The mindset of the person is more important than the disease. I always say the how ancient, dare he do exactly, that? Exactly. I, I always say the ancient philosophers, up until only about 60, 70 years ago, we were talking about mind, brain, body. And now suddenly in the last neuroreductionistic time frame, since we, especially since we had technology, mid-90s to now, is when we've become so neuroreductionistic, right. we've just thrown it all out. This mechanistic focus. Exactly. Where this we physical can mechanistic. tinker with the, with the yeah, gears and, exactly. you know, Again, medicalizing everything, including our emotions. And childhood. And taking 
the humanness out of it. Yeah. You know, because all of these things are, even my physical symptoms were, were giving me feedback. Yeah, of really course, because it's bi-directional. So, yes. Yeah. And so if I can all, have a teacher who can help to, to instruct me on how to process that, right? This, mm. this thing that's manifesting, that's what you do. That's why I'm so grateful. And that's what I, I interweave into my work as well. Because, yeah. I, of course, I focus on this tangible aspect of food. But our food choices are based on our perceptions about ourselves. But you drive all your food choices. This is why we get on so well. Because you drive your food choices from the mind. Yes. It's from a mindset. So you're not just saying eat walnuts and your brain's going to be healthy. It's not quite that simple. Yeah. It's a whole bio-individuality, lifestyle, mindset change. Absolutely. That walnut cannot even hold a candle to your negative thinking. Exactly. Because all of your thoughts create chemistry in your body. Exactly. Right? And so this walnut is just like, it's a drop in the ocean. It's a drop in the ocean. But what if we couple that with healthy affirmative thoughts or being able to or healthfully processing, process processing, embracing our information, process, accepting our messiness, being kind to ourselves, yeah. owning our stuff and doing something about it. You know, we start to stack conditions in our favor. Exactly, you know? exactly. And so, you know, that's what I, that's what I unknowingly did at the time. I was just stacking all these conditions. And one of the most interesting outcomes that I wasn't, I, I, I didn't intend on this, but when I physically got healthier and my thinking was changing, the out, the out, outer world started to change as well. It started to kind of mm. conform to that. The people that I was around and associating mm. with, my standards changed. Everything changed. I didn't ask. I didn't tell myself I want my standards to change consciously. Mm -hmm. But, but the were, non-conscious was driving it. The yes, 99 because it was resonant. It was exactly. resonant with my bigger. It. Yes. Exactly. That bigger understanding of who I am, what mm -hmm. I'm here to do, what I'm capable of. Mm. And started that it started to kind of conform and get in harmony. From that though, be, growing up in an environment where I had to be I had to protect myself. I definitely went within a lot. Mm. I was very I had to be self-centered. And I, mm -hmm. I hate to say that, actually. I don't, I don't like saying this because... No, you weren't being self-centered, Sean. I think what you were doing is being self-protective. You were in a coping mechanism. It was a coping mechanism. It was a trauma response. But you were also putting the oxygen mask on yourself. I don't mean to interrupt you, and it's your experience. So correct me if I'm wrong, if what I said now is totally wrong. I, I love talking with you because you can <laughs> color it in a way that yeah. is more affirmative. Whereas, again, the out, outside environment, where, again, coming from the environment that mm -hmm. I come from, somebody in my environment might see that behavior as being self-centered mm -hmm. when I don't, when I want to withdraw myself or protect myself or not being around certain things. Yep. Right. Create spaces around you. But it's really, it, it's, it's, it's such a valuable human trait. It's a natural thing, especially again, mm -hmm. coming from where I come from, where mm -hmm. that can help me to survive. I'm saying this to say that yeah. the pendulum swung, as you've talked about, we tend to swing the pendulum yeah. swings the other way where I was so self-centered to once I got healthier and I started to see the suffering going on in the environment around me and other people being told the same similar stories like this, you have this problem. Yeah. It's impossible to fix. There's nothing. This is your story. That's the end of the story. And so I became so passionate about helping other people that I became so other focused that I had a phase in my life where I kind of lost myself. I was so obsessed with helping everybody else that my own mental wellness, like, mm, like a lot of, yourself. yes, yes. Wall yourself out. And I think that for a lot of folks, 
that have a passion in this field, they can mm. kind of go through that phase. Oh, yes. I've spoken to so many. And then you and I both interviewed so many people where they yeah. speak about this. Yeah. And so it's finding that place of balance, you know. And part of that was the clinical work that I was doing. And I stopped doing and But that was providing that certainty yeah. for me. But then to focus on teaching because I really felt like I had a I had an ability that I was not ignoring. Sometimes when we're good at something, we just we don't really see it because it's just us. Mm -hmm. And so my ability to articulate ideas, to make complex things simple Mm -hmm. and to just be engaging, you know, and teaching material like because I I had the experience of paying for a university education yeah. and hating science. I had the I had that experience and I knew what was missing from that to make me fall in love with science. I was going to say, what did you, did you really hate science? Because you've actually become quite a scientist. Yeah, <laughs> it was just the way that I was taught. It was, it was how it was you brought taught, yeah. into my inner domain. And also, thankfully, again, it might have been that inner wisdom that something's not lining up here. Exactly. Right? And so that ability, I had to honor that. And to say, you know what, my my gift, my the best use of my time here on this planet, and what feed really healthfully feeds me, is influencing influencers, teaching teachers, and focusing on that, being really great at you know research, but then taking that and helping people to understand it. Because as as you know, you know we we can have data. We just talked about this recently. Yeah, we can have data that's published twenty years ago clearly articulating that a certain belief in science is not accurate yeah, in particular yeah, the serotonin yeah. theory serotonin of of depression and disease in the 70s it's 56 right? odd years ago so 20 years later or whatever mm-hmm. the case might be 30 years later it takes so much time for things that are published in scientific journals mm-hmm. to become normalized in the in the in, in the, the popular equation mm-hmm. right in the popular conversation in particular in the university setting exactly Right, because we've got people who are very intelligent, who've ba- built their careers around yeah. a certain belief or train of thinking, whose job is unknowingly, in a way, to is inundating the students with their train of thinking. Exactly, it's just a natural order of things. And so, one of the things that I'm really wanted to encourage in our society today, more than ever, is the ability to question the, these things, to question your biases mm, constantly, question so your biases, important. and if you really want to challenge. I challenge you to look for ways that you're wrong. Like proactively really good. look for yeah, ways that you're it's wrong. Way to grow. Because most theories will at some point change. Yes. And also you'll find holes in just about anything exactly. that, you, that you look into where something doesn't doesn't apply. Even exactly. something that is so solid, even gravity. Gravity at some point doesn't apply in the same fashion exactly. as it does right exactly. here. Exactly. It changes constantly. Good quality protein is essential for mind, brain and body health. But with so many options out there, it can be hard to know what protein to get. I've been buying different types of protein for years, but I never stop to think about whether I'm getting the right amount of protein I need each day, especially after I work out. I simply followed the one scoop rule and went on with my day. But everybody is different. So why isn't my protein powder regimen tailored to me? I know that consuming protein post-workout has been shown to stimulate muscle protein synthesis and offset soreness. However, the optimal amount varies from person to person, and the type of protein can make a difference. Enter ELO. 
Elo's Smart Protein takes the guesswork out of finding the optimal protein blend for you in the right amount to help you recover faster and get more out of every workout. Each blend is hand-mixed for you and offers a combination of highly bioavailable protein and functional ingredients, depending on your activity, data, health goals, and dietary preferences. Unlike other personalized protein products, ELO Smart Protein draws data from your wearables and fitness apps to provide specific dosing recommendations after each workout. ELO Smart Protein comes in either grass-fed whey or pea protein and can include other functional ingredients like probiotics and ashwagandha to help you recover faster and support your goals. Smart Protein is also third-party tested so you can feel confident that you're getting a high-quality product you can trust. Take out the guesswork and get the right amount of protein after every workout. Go to elo.health and enter the code DRLEAF for 50% off your first month. That's elo.health and enter the code DRLEAF for 50% off your first month. Thanks, ELO. The link and details will be in the show notes. You know, we, we throw around a lot of concepts like research says, and it's good to talk about research, but research says, but re- that research could change. Yeah. Or as you said, research can be out, can be ignored for periods of time, or research can be biased. You know, so science is, so we do, do need scientific inquiry, and I know we're going off on a bit of a tangent here, but you've been, your education was actually quite a challenge because science was delivered in one way. Yeah. Meanwhile, there was a whole different world you know, of, of, of how you could approach your field. So you, you went on to finish your degree, but you, did, you, you shifted. You didn't do medicine in the end. You shifted over yeah, I to... I shifted over to business. And yeah. then once I got healthy, I shifted back to biology. That's right. And you did a, a, B, a BSc in biology. What did you do again? Yeah, your, Bachelor's of Science. Yeah. yeah, in biology. So you got that. And so you got a whole different <laughs> understanding of... Yeah. And I was looking, body. even in that class, I could see that my lights were on and the, my, my fellow students in the classroom... And this is so interesting. Again, even my teacher, I don't really feel it's an accident that she lined up in my life at the la- the last day of class. She cried because wow. she she was so. The reason that she cried was that she so wanted us to understand how important what she was teaching was in our oh, lives, wow. right? And so it's just like what the, and of course I'm looking around the class. I get it. I'm looking around the class, and they're just they're like it's awkward. You know, like, they're just like, this is super weird, but I got it. Like, I felt such a connection connection. to her in that moment. We barely talked, really. You know, I just came, I did my coursework, but I I was coming with a different understanding. Like, Mm. and so anyways, but most of most, the most valuable education was learning from folks like you. And you've been in my life even years before we met. Wow. You know, one of your books, my daughter got while she was in high school. This is the most gorgeous story. Yeah. (laughs) Tell it again. And this was one of the first books that her and I read together and she she was like she kept nudging me like dad you got to read this you got to read this so cute you know and it's it's so remarkable you know it and was so being a book from I think 2008 or 9 or something we don't even have it in print anymore and I remember you showing it up showing it to me in that first interview you said you still got the yep, book it's on my book you switched off my brain I think it was that one yeah exactly <laughs> that that was the one and it was such a cute story you know this is the opportunity that we have that is no that's never existed before and documented human history, yeah. the accessibility to learn from the very best people in the world in their respective fields. You don't have to, again, it, we still have a paradigm, you know, our, our, our traditional education track, 
But even if you look at what our education system is churning out, it's churning out of a lot of unhappiness. Very much so. It's churning out a lot of dysfunction Mm. and it's churning out a lot of sickness. And this is going back into the education system itself. Yeah. Since 1980, the rate of childhood obesity has tripled Mm. since 1980. You know, it's just, again, we have a system that is feeding so much dysfunction and it's taking away Mm. the aspects of what Hippocrates was was nudging us to, which is the ability to think critically, the ability ability Mm. to to look within, the ability to understand ourselves, to Mm -hmm. know thyself and to operate from that place Mm. and understand that genius doesn't come in this one box of rote memorization which is so unfortunate. You've mechanized everything. And- exactly. And so if you're not good at this mechanistic system, then you're led to believe that you're not enough, that you're, you're stupid. Abnormal. Who defines normal when there's abnormal? Yeah. So it's, it's, and you're quite right. It's, it's translated over into mental health. And there's been a huge blurring line between life and mental health. Mental health has come to control everything. That word has become so concept creep. That's the word I was looking for. It's become a huge concept creep of one concept covering everything and when I was training in the 80s we separated out things that were medical that distinct medical issues like traumatic brain injury and tumors and as someone who was going through a trauma because of life context someone who had a learning issue because of what was so you looked at the holistic picture the whole person and you also looked with a view of let's let's look at the mind let's look at how they're processing now it's just any symptom is just everything now is lumped under a symptom Tracking, trying to track back to a diagnosis. And when we say the word diagnosis, we're immediately assuming that there is some underlying biological cause. So to track back to what you're saying, that is unfortunately how education, so that education's bad. We, we've got to have education. It's so important. But it's very unfortunate that it's been put into such small boxes and such narrow boxes and become so controlled by industry, how industry's in, entered into education, especially tertiary education. That's a concern that's affected. Yeah, it's, it's so huge. Many. Even the peer review process, even yeah, if you're getting funding else. to run some clinical studies, you, you're you you're really could. vying for the attention of a pharmaceutical company. Exactly. And that's, it's so, and it, they fund, it, there was a time decades ago where that was not in vogue. That was no. not, it really, it was frowned upon. Of course. But it's so integrated into the system now. And if we look at the results again, we have the most expensive healthcare system in the world. We have exactly. a four trillion dollar a year healthcare yeah. system. And now you're going to give this that benefits. is also yielding the worst result, exactly. really, of the developed nations. Sickest something doesn't nation in the world add up here. And we yeah. also have free reign for drug companies to. Well, I'll just give, I'll let me give a reference point. Let me give a reference point. In 2020, two thirds of United States Congress members received a check from a pharmaceutical company. Two thirds. They have the most invested, the pharmaceutical industry, most invested in Congress by far, by an order of 50% more than the next industry. There's three pharmaceutical lobbyists for each congressperson, and they invested about $450,000 per congress member just prior to the 2016 election, about a year and a half prior to. This data is coming from my friend out of Harvard, Dr. John Abramson. And his great work, he's got a great book I've, called Sickening. I've heard of him, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he's been in a lot of litigation. Not, It wasn't his intention, but he's just brought he's in as an expert the, yeah. before, you know, working in kind of uh, healthcare policy. And the next thing you know, he's like being able to see the emails that no one else sees. And, yeah. you know, a lot of NDAs that he had to sign. But some of these huge lawsuits against pharmaceuticals right now, pharmaceutical companies, like, you know, Johnson & Johnson recently was ordered to pay part of a $26 billion lawsuit because of their contribution to the opioid epidemic. Yeah. Right. 
And people might wonder, like, well, how is that? Well, they're really the leading manufacturer of the raw materials to mm-hmm. make the opioids. Mm-hmm. There is a genetically modified, quote, super poppy, right? And it's just this machine that's been fed into our society over these last few years in particular. And right now we're at a place where well over half a million Americans have died from opioids and synthetic opioids. And it's as if, again, like we, we talk about all these kind of hot topics. And what are the, what are the things that are the, the biggest issue in our society, which let me share this as well. Right now, here in the United States, and actually, this, I'll, let me share this, this because I want to take this globally. Yeah. This was published in The Lancet, and this was in 2018. Just prior to the pandemic, there was a mm-hmm. lot less politicization of things, of course. But this was published in The Lancet, and they were looking at multiple nations, so dozens and dozens of countries. And they found that the number one risk to health globally was poor diet. From their assessment, and if I don't know if you could put this up on the screen, if this is going on YouTube, mm-hmm, we'll put the study mm-hmm. up for everybody yeah, to see. Yeah. And so what the researchers denoted was that approximately 11 million people die around the world from the results of poor diet, right? And so we're living at a time where mm-hmm. we're no longer dying as much from the lack of food. We're dying from the consumption of too much low-quality food. food. And on top of that, no mind management. Exactly. That's what it all, it all that, leads a, back to that. It's a lethal combination. It's driving everything. And people mm-hmm. feel so disempowered. We're so just disempowered. so at the mercy of our environment. We don't and realize. And managed with a diagnosis and a medication that shortens your lifespan even more and increases your chance of so many cardiovascular, immune system. I mean, just endless. The psychoty- your psycho- psychotropic drugs are adding to that lifestyle factor of people dying younger yeah. that, you, that you're mentioning. Trends and fads come and go, especially when it comes to health and wellness. But eating well for your mind, brain and body is not a trend or a fad. It is about creating a lifestyle that helps you achieve your goals and dreams and live your best life. Noom gets this. They use psychology, not trends, to help you make intentional and sustainable choices that are aligned with your values and goals. I find the app's quick daily lessons super helpful and I've learned so much about the relationship between what I eat and my mental health. I also think it's great that you get to choose your level of support from five-minute daily check-ins to personal coaching, which works well with my busy schedule. Noom understands that everyone's journey is different, so your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals and based on scientific principles to help you understand your relationship with food. In fact, their approach is grounded in science. Noom has published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles describing their methods and effectiveness. Stop chasing health trends and build sustainable healthy habits with Noom's psychology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com slash drleaf. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash drleaf to sign up for your trial today. Check out Noom's first ever book, The Noom Mindset, a deep dive into the psychology of behavior change, available to buy now wherever books are sold. The link and details will be in the show notes. And you talk about the pharmaceutical and the, and the political situation, but they're also most universities, even our, even our Harvard, Harvards and our yeah. Ivy Leagues, they are leaders, the leaders there are 
how many are involved with pharmaceutical companies. You know, we, we, we do research, as you know, our company does research, and we, we privately fund. We won't let pharmaceutical companies fund our research or universities because we will get involved because of that problem. I don't want bias in my research. I don't want to be having to prove you know, so go and say someone's drug is the right way of going, kind of thing. You know what I'm, you know, what I'm saying, yeah, and that's absolutely. that's unfortunate because academic academia used to be that very precious. It was the sort of icon of truth, you know, that yeah. we are exploring, we are trying to understand, we're trying to Questioning learn, and things. yeah, and, and and exactly, and that is never going to be the same. And you know, if I look at where I've come from in 38 years, what I know now to what I knew then, I mean, I'm very open about saying this is what I developed then, but I have to do research to keep improving, because there's new development, there's new things I'm going to learn, and that's how we're supposed to be functioning. We're supposed to as a, as a society. So so what's happened, and I come back full circle to ask you this question, is that everything you said and this little foundation I just laid now, people like yourself and in the food side of and nutritional side and brain health, helping to will rebuild these these physical parts that the mind needs yeah. to use. This has really become your area of expertise. What you're doing now is you're reaching out and touching people's lives and helping people from the grassroots. So we've entered an era, and this is my question, do you think we've entered an era that's actually maybe quite good we we are not leaving it to the professionals to tell us what to do we're actually finding out ourselves and then going and telling the professionals to get more educated and bring in their expertise with a newer view and therefore we're taking more responsibility for our health do you think that you will see that happening because that's kind of how i see things going the really fascinating thing about our reality and you know we have this bigness within ourselves mm-hmm. right there's this kind of infinite galaxy or infinite expanding universe within ourselves, but we're also in a way very insignificant. We're very mm. small. You know, if you zoom out far enough, right? If you just zoom out from the planet perspective or yeah. you can zoom out from your city perspective, how big are your problems, you know? Yeah. And so just kind of zooming out and looking at the bigness of things and being able to zoom in and really get it's, granular mm-hmm. is super important in, in this in this answer for you. Because within that, I believe that life always finds a way to continue on. Mm. There's this constant, we know this, this is, this is a principle that the universe is constantly expanding. Mm-hmm. There's an intelligence governing mm-hmm. behind the scenes, even if we're just talking about our mm-hmm. minute self or the bigger self. Mm-hmm. And within that, everything Whenever there's a problem, a solution manifests. Life goes on. Things get sorted out. This too shall pass. With that said, we've experienced the greatest era in human dysfunction, self-induced human dysfunction ever seen in recorded human Mm -hmm. history. Right now, we're the sickest society in the history of humanity. The highest rates of obesity, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, Every mental health issue you can name, yeah. the list goes on and on and on. Liver disease, kidney disease, autoimmune conditions. Here People in the United States, about- 8 to 25 years younger from lifestyle diseases. There we go. About 50 million Americans now have an autoimmune condition, you know, and these are things that were once rare. Something is clearly awry. Yeah. And with that problem, the solution is being forced, which is we're entering this age- of accessibility of information. So good. So well right? explained. Whereas prior, when in my first year of college, in this private, expensive university that mm-hmm. I went to, they were transitioning into having computers 
to search for books. They still had the Dewey Decimal cards, <laughs> right? I know that. We and had microfiches, ex- so I don't even know if you know what that is. <laughs> yeah, so but you trying to find a piece of data, it takes so oh, much work. Oh, my goodness, yeah. And, it's, and you might only find one thing. Now, Whereas today, yeah, I can do this you have found- so many options, so many different things mm-hmm. for you to explore and to understand and to unpack at your fingertips. It really depends on the questions you're asking, mm-hmm. on how quickly you'll get there. Just going back to my story and how I got well, yeah, right. And we can utilize that power right now. We're still we're in the we're in a place where we're being distracted, and mm-hmm. so we're asking a lot of questions that distract us from the solutions and the peace that we want and the success that we want in our lives. Mm. We might be distracted with you know. The housewives of somewhere, not to deny yeah. everybody <laughs> slow down. It's okay. It's okay. okay. Yeah. You can have your housewives, but make yeah. sure that you are also taking time to ask questions about yeah. you and look within and be able to find the solutions. Ask questions. Don't just ask questions Don't about just accept if someone you know, says you have who's this dating take... who. Yeah. Ask questions about the solution that you might be mm-hmm. looking for. Maybe it's your anxiety that you're experiencing, mm-hmm. or maybe it's your back pain or Ask maybe the it, questions. where's the because of you have access you have access and Inform- you have access to the people who've done it before you exactly. because the problem that you're having someone or many people have likely figured out a solution to that thing and yeah. so it goes back to that tenet that success leaves clues but so does struggle you know love so it. we have that accessibility clues as well as struggle i love that and and it also leads to the point of informed consent you are entitled to ask your doctor if they prescribe something for you or someone's telling you something about just think of your own example you you entitled to actually ask questions why what is this going to do to me what what are the implications you know psychotropics there, there's no informed consent a lot of medications of patients actually being told what those medications do so we actually have to take advantage of the technical age which is what i'm hearing you say and get the information and don't be scared to ask the doctors don't be scared to ask those in authority for why what does this mean what are the implications for my life that's what i'm hearing you say yeah we have agency we have agency and we are empowered and we need to take up that empowerment we've definitely gone from an era where you just listened to the authority you didn't question to hey you can question absolutely everything because you can access knowledge and you can maybe it's wrong i'm not saying dr google's your answer and i'm not saying self-diagnose you know we've got a whole problem on tiktok with people self-diagnosing and that's dangerous this is get knowledge and go and ask the questions don't just have to accept one thing or just accept one answer sean as usual we could go on all day it's amazing. Thank you so much. I love your story and I love how we just actually touched the tip of the iceberg and I look forward to our next interview. Of and course. Thank you for the great work you do and you know that what you are bringing, helping at the grassroots level, helping to educate people to ask the right questions about their health. Thank so you. thank it's you for what honor. you're doing. It's yeah. amazing. I appreciate that so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting me interview you in your studio. Of it's, course. And next Absolutely. time in my studio. <laughs> I'll come and see you. But yeah, people can actually find it. We just did an interview for my show as well. You can find my show anywhere that you are listening to this amazing yes. podcast. You can find the Model Health Show. Exactly. Well. And then they can follow you on social media. What's your social media I'm handle? I'm at Sean Model, S-H-A-W-N Model on Instagram. I do a lot of cool stuff over there. You do. You do. So. You have a lot of amazing stuff. And they can find everything about you at, on your Instagram and your website and everything's all on there as well. So they can they'll put all the links in the show notes too. So, Sean, thank you again. It's been amazing. And I look forward to our next discussion. Yeah, I can't wait. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com. 
and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.